I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. gentlemen to the Sunday edition of the Ringer NBA podcast. I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazdy Lambray, and I'm joined by my great friend, one of the best journalists in NBA media until he retired. <laughs> he now runs a highly successful, highly, highly educational substack called the House of Strauss. Ethan Strauss, welcome to the show, my brother. I'm very happy to be here. I'm a little nervous because I was supposed to be on a few weeks ago and we got hit by the atmospheric river in the Bay Area, which knocked things out. But to study up, I actually looked at the Bill Simmons Reddit page and oh, my God, (laughs) I was getting roasted. I mean, I respect how it happens, though. I respect the way they do it. On the Bill Simmons Reddit page because they just, it's really shut up nerd. Here's your wedgie. It's not precious. Like uh, (laughs) what I've seen on NBA Reddit where I don't know, they're offended about something. It's just, it's just some shut up nerd stuff. So I go in with trepidation, you know? So I'm, I I am too precious about my psyche to traverse (laughs) the waters of NBA Reddit, Ringer Reddit, Simmons Reddit. Um, so you went on Bill Simmons sort of subreddit where basically yeah, yeah. Simmons fans go on and talk about the show and the guests and all of mm-hmm. that. And you looked up one of your own appearance. No, 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 no. I actually didn't. But I saw that this is one of those classic things where they were debating if I had taken a shot at Bill was something I had said, which I hadn't. And it was like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> this is already going left. This is already going bad. That's actually, you know, our friend Amin El Hassan, this is many years ago. It's practically a decade ago. It might be a decade ago. I blocked him on Twitter because he had alleged at that moment that I had taken some shot at Zach Lowe and added Zach Lowe back then. And that was wow. that was back when there were like 48 people on Twitter. So it, it really felt almost like a, a slack 
<laughs> an internal company slack. And I just, I can't even, I can't deal with this dude. I got to block him. And then, and then he got mad and then through an intermediary, uh, it brokered some conversation and now we're great friends. So yeah, that's always awkward because even if you never meant it as a shot at the intended target, you just sound defensive and like you're bullshitting when you're trying to say, no, that's not, it wasn't about that. It was about something. To, oh no. Oh God. Oh no. <laughs> So I tend to always have the experience of whenever I'm new somewhere and like people aren't really used to my shtick, for lack of a better word, there's usually a lot of, you know, give back, right? Where people are like, who is this dude? Why is he, you know, hot takes, blah, 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 doesn't know what he's talking about. And then eventually people realize that pretty much 98% of the things that I say is kind of tongue in cheek. And I don't mean it. I don't mean to be as acidic as it comes off. I know like New Yorkers, we talk with this sort of abrasive style, but we're really it, just There's here. a spirit of kindness to it is what I would say. There's a warmth to it. 100%. Um, and we're just having fun. And with that being said, let's have fun because I think the Warriors are probably the most fun story in the NBA so far this season, which is kind of crazy, right? Because yeah. it was, shoot, 2014-15 was seven years ago now when the Warriors phenomenon, start, phenomenon started in earnest. And to be seven years removed and for them to be a feel-good story again is kind of crazy to see. Yeah, which makes it an even better story. If it was just right. constant success, if it was like those Patriots runs of yore where they're always in it, you, you always see him lurking. But it seemed like this whole thing was, was dead, and that's what makes it uh, so enjoyable. There's an element of absence makes the heart grow fonder, and also just Clay being in the wilderness – for a few years now and there's all this mm -hmm. anticipation about him coming back and I think one of the reasons it really comes through is he cares so much I mean yeah caring caring is contagious I know that sounds that's probably the corniest thing that's ever been said on your podcast right, but though. why did we care about Steph setting that record that's not a record we traditionally care about. No. I don't remember where I was when Reggie Miller set that record, where I was when Ray Allen Ray broke Allen that. Ray Allen did it? Yeah. <laughs> it, no, it, it was cool because it mattered to Steph. And yep. it was in this very genuine way. It was obviously the benchmark that he had set early in his career, targeting it as something that he could potentially do. And just Steph being so into it made a bunch of other people get so into it. And I feel similarly about Clay coming back. Nobody loves basketball more than Clay Thompson does. No. They might love it as much. Uh, I remember Dan Martinez, who was second in commander Ray Ritter, the uh, PR maestro of the Warriors once said to me, notice that on media day, media day, for those who do not know, it's that first day of training camp. It's like the first day of school. Everybody Hope shows springs up. eternal. Oh, yes. <laughs> Unless you're the early Warriors uh, or the Warriors from, you know, before they got good where people were just sniping at each other and Monte Ellis is saying, no, it can't work with me and Steph. He was right. <laughs> but I, anyway, so on media day, players show up in their jerseys and they take their photos, they do their photo shoots. And um, Clay was the only one year after year he would grab a basketball, go to the corner and just start shooting and just start. He, he couldn't wait. He just needed to do something. And so it's so central to his life. You had that moment recently where he was crying uh, courtside and just taking it all in. And so, I mean, really the stage, the stage is set and, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, there, there's a lot 
to there's a lot of doubt in the league right now, Waz, as games get canceled one after the Is other. There? There's a lot of variance. I don't know. I, I think the, yeah. the season's gonna happen one way or the other, I think. One but, way or the other, yeah. the season's gonna happen. I think this spike and stuff is gonna pass. Cause, you know, that's the nature. <laughs> Cause people gotta <laughs> understand, right? Like, this isn't like it's not like if you get chlamydia and you go untreated. <laughs> Like something horrible can happen to you, right? Like you yeah. kind of get COVID and then it passes. Like that's the, the nature yeah. of this thing. Like it comes and it goes. Like people are going to get sick. They're going to get better. And we're going to kind of move on with things. Um, so, yeah, I think the clay thing is going to be really dope. And I think you touched on something that's important. That is something that you and I have talked about ad nauseum. Um, but I don't think it's enough airspace in the public discourse is like you talking about Clay Thompson cares about basketball. Steph Curry's three point record is about basketball. Like this story is about basketball. And I feel like the NBA more so than any other major sports league. So often the story rears away, veers off <laughs> from basketball. Always, mm. it's always getting moved. It's LeBron in China. It's, you know, the NBA solving police brutality. It's it's like all of this crazy shit always, the NBA is veering off of it. And oftentimes the best stories, the stories that generate the most interest are the game. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? No, it's crazy. And I don't know if that's a consequence of the Spurs devaluing the regular season or maybe the uh, mm. the Cavs doing it by winning in 2016. And congrats to them. They won a hell of a series. But it did teach the league a lesson that you win 73 games. That's just going to be a mallet to whap you with if you don't actually come through. <laughs> so maybe that's why it's gotten that way. I just think it's my general theory. And there are a lot of different components, but I've written about it is that the NBA, they went all in on Twitter, not incidentally, because to a certain degree, every institution gets a Twitter account and tweets, but they really mm -hmm. made it a strategy. They had these yeah. annual conferences with Adam Silver and Jack Dorsey talking about merging their brands and they pushed it they tried to incubate it and at the beginning it was great you know remember the old nba twitter was wasn't it great oh my god this league <laughs> <laughs> it was great. You just felt like you were having arguments and, you yeah. know, it could get intense. It was fun. But you, you didn't think that it would 2011, be, Twitter was amazing. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And you didn't think it would be on your permanent record or anything right. would be. Honestly, there was no, what's that called? Freezing cold takes. There was no sense that anything would be held against you. You were just talking. And so it was cool. It did seem like it supplemented the popularity of the sport. But after a while, it seemed like it just became part of the bullshit and it, it, it created a bit of a detour. So I think that they might have over social media um, and you could see why they did it. I think that if you were a smart executive and you saw what was happening early on, like Adam Silver did, we probably all would have pushed it. But then uh, it did create a world of distractions and it was to the detriment of the game itself. But we shall see. I mean, I think this war warrior storyline, call me a homer, whatever. I do think it's the best story in sports right now. And I cannot. Yeah. I mean, it would be incredible if they came back and they had Clay come back and he's good again, and man, you get a you get a finals Warriors Nets, you know, or Warriors wow. Bucks. I don't oh want Ben goodness. Thompson to get I don't want Ben Thompson to get mad at me. Warriors Bucks, you know? I mean that's that's exciting stuff if it happens.
Yeah, and those stories, and I think that's what the league has kind of been in the wilderness the past few years because there hasn't been a story to get behind. And you've talked about this a lot on your podcast. You talk about it a lot in your articles about like people think in terms of stories. Yes. Right. And if there's no story to tell, like it's like the, the Warriors thing is so obvious. It's like this team that was great. They went on this incredible historic run. They lose a bunch of guys to injuries. They lose KD to free agency. They absolutely stink up the joint. Um, the first year after mm -hmm. KD loses, last year was like, ah, mediocrity. And then this year, they're the best team in the NBA so far. They don't even have their guy back. It's easy for fans to, for fans to follow that story. Um, you know... <laughs> like <laughs> some of the some of the stuff that we're tracking, whether it be like the Celtics, like not liking Kyrie's attitude adjustment or just some of the craziness that we would just end up following as a league rather than what's taking place on the freaking court. Again, like I think that's been to his detriment. I love a bunch of the new guys in the league, of course, like the Jokic's and the Booker's and the Donovan Mitchell's and the Trey Young's. Like these young guys, of course, Giannis, he's a two-time MVP. Like these young new generation guys are interesting people. They're going to be fun to follow, but we do have to develop these stories. I, I don't know what they got to do for Jokic. Maybe it's got to be like this extravagant <laughs> WWE type intro where he comes in on a horse because he loves horses so much. I mean, that would be I mean, that's one way to catch the attention of the public, <laughs> I suppose. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a culprit in this whole thing. I'm a hypocrite. I run a website where I don't talk about the games at all. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm definitely part of the problem, I would think. Uh, but yeah, it seems like you need to pitch things through story. And that's what I mean, this is where we get derailed into nostalgia. But that's what was so amazing about the NBA and NBC and those intros. I mean, those intros are great because they're great with Marv Albert or Bob Costas doing a narration. But they're also fantastic because they're telling the audience. They're telling the audience. This is important. This is important. This is an epic battle. This is yep. why you should pay attention. This is why you should be into it. I contrast it with um, I had the experience of doing this podcast with the uh, with, with the Cavs, the Cavs bloggers, Chase Down Black Guys, uh, who were looking back at the 2016 finals. And I had never watched those finals as a TV product because I was there uh -huh. covering them on the ground. And I came away disgusted with the ESPN presentation of it because my experience of these finals, it was so epic. I mean, yeah, it was it felt incredible. Like life death, those finals. Oh, it was, I just remember myself in Quicken Loans Arena and they start with that Phil Collins in the air of the night intro and I'm watching mm. the concessioners belt the lyrics, singing in unison to it as the crowd's jumping up and down and really feeling the energy and it's for that game six and it's just, the, the hair on the back of your neck is standing up and then I watch the TV version and they've commissioned the roots and I like the roots but they've commissioned the roots to do some sort of weird intro and the motif is the number two and it's like two two games till game seven Kyrie's no. the number two I don't know if you even remember this oh. but it's just no what what is this they're not explaining <laughs> why is there no narration why aren't you using Mike Breen whoever to, to, to present this to us because this is an right. epic battle between two opposing forces the showy glamorous Bay Area versus mm -hmm. the gritty I'm just a kid from Akron the even Rust though you Belt. 
Yeah, even though Coastal eventually went Hollywood. Coastal elites versus the Rust Belt, <laughs> Ethan. Yeah, play it up, man. And it's just sitting there for you. And for some reason, the product, there's just not that much thought into it. And it's not like, hey, I love the NBC stuff, but it's not like those guys were geniuses. They just obviously, to quote one ESPN employee, gave the people what they want. So, yeah, they got to get back to that, I think. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's 2 for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Listen, I do want to talk about the Warriors while I have you here because I think there's something interesting happen with, happening with the young guys. Um, Wiseman, he had a rough rookie season. There's no other way to put it. Um, obviously hasn't had much of a showing this year yet because of injury, whatever. He'll be back soon. And Kaminga has, you know, in, sp- in spurts and stints, shown flashes. It's not like he's gone out there and been Scotty Barnes or some of these other, you know, bigger rookies. What, like, what do you think of their standing within the organization, right? Because I get this sense that Lacob, because he didn't trade Klay Thompson for... Um, for Kevin Love that one faithful summer because Draymond is homegrown, because Steph is homegrown. I feel like Laker feels like, nah, I like my guys. I'm not trading these young dudes mm. to get some vets in here and show up the roster. Like, I like my guys. What is their standing on the team right now? I'm not sure what the standing is on the team, but it can say that Lacob, he's like those fans who love the young players almost maybe a little too much and mm-hmm. want to do those trades or those guys aren't included. I think... Maybe because he's got that venture capitalist perspective, he's so into having a market inefficiency and thinking that, oh, my God, we only pay these guys so much on the rookie deal that we can't (laughs) give this up, man. And we've got the special sauce in here. We've got the secret sauce that makes players great, obviously. Um, (laughs) I mean, if it comes down to it and you need to get rid of a Harrison Barnes to get Kevin Durant, yeah, he'll do it. But I do think that he is more of the mentality that... 
our guys are great. And it doesn't just extend to draft picks. I mean, he was really talking up Wiggins after they got him. And, you know, to be sure, that was a really good trade for them in the end. But you would think that they had just gotten uh, Scotty Pippen. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I think that Lakeup is more a believer and they have just reshuffled and reshuffled trying to find the right mix of people behind the scenes to get those young players flourishing because they ha- they've had a lot of failures. I mean, Jordan Poole kind of came out of nowhere as a guy who could be really good because before that, it seemed like they did not know what they were doing. So I just know that there's an intense emphasis on it. What the standing is within, I don't know. Personally, I just enjoy Jordan Poole's game. I don't know what he's going to become, right. but he's right. probably the guy right now, other than Steph, where I'm most excited to watch in a totally mm-hmm. normie fan capacity was, by the way. It's not like back in the day where I would be trying to watch. It's oh more. Oh, my God. I'm you on were the trying exercise. to talk us into how interesting Pat McCaw was <laughs> as a young player. Like, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. KD, we get it. One of the all-time greatest one-on-one scorers hey, that we've ever seen. I know what I'm getting from f- KD. You know, Pat a McCaw. A freak of nature. Yeah, yeah. Pat McCaw, though. Who knows what that kid could be? But By the way, I do think that is a way that you can get engaged in the game in a way that's not aligned with fan interest, but it's still, it's its own drama where if you're around a team and talking to people, that's some real drama. Like how some of these dudes on the fringes, how they play game to game might end their career or they're in the (laughs) NBA. KD, he's going to be fine, right? He's going to be fine no matter what. So you do sometimes find yourself as you get to know these guys, maybe having your emotions rise and fall with every shot that they take. I mean, I remember when Justin Holiday had a few bad games and Andre Iguodala moved some of his stuff into Holiday's locker and was just kind of insinuating, you know, if you don't. That is so fucked up. <laughs> if you don't like you're not going to need this locker basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> now to be fair I think from Andre's perspective uh I think that he believes in tough love because the NBA is a tough place no if right. you can't withstand that you're not going to make it I think in that very whip JK Simons and Whiplash sort of perspective is the one that Andre had I mean that was always amusing too the kind of harshness that he would use because I do think he wanted the best for those guys on the bench. I know I'm derailing and detouring. No, 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 but keep going. We I love would, it. I would be in the locker room after a game and I remember uh, he would just have the stat sheet out looking at it and he would just say really loudly, man, I'd love to take nine shots in 18 minutes. And you knew that was Ian Clark and Ian Clark would laugh nervously because he's, <laughs> he's just saying, you got to stop shooting. You got to play the right yep. way. But I mean, that's part of why the season is cool is having Andre Godala yep. back. I mean, it's all the cliche to say that his impact is not his impact, that there's more going on there, that he's a coach of the bench. And he's almost, I think, in a unique NBA role in that respect, because on these teams, you do have veterans and they're supposed to guide these players. But Andre specifically is like the player coach of the bench of the second mm. unit. And so that's just an unusual kind of thing that he uh, carved out for himself. And that's uh, yet another reason why this revived Warriors team is a fun one to watch, at least from my perspective. Draymond Green is such a unique player not just today but like ever. Like I don't we've never really seen a guy like him who He's a six foot seven, six foot eight guy who is the most dominant defensive player in the NBA. He's this great connector for the greatest shooter ever that unlocks so much of what the Warriors want to do on offense. But like to your mind, like what makes Draymond Draymond? Like what makes him so Hmm. integral to what makes this team tick? 
Wow. I mean, that's that's a big question. I mean, there's an element of just energy, of just mm. violent energy. I always mm. loved early in his career, he would wrench the ball away with two hands and that disruptiveness, but it's also with this preternatural uh, intelligence when he plays. I, I'm guessing you saw the recent thing he did with Doris Burke where he was explaining his decision-making yeah. on defense. And I love the way he frames it. I love the way he talks about it because defense is just so different from offense. And he's really all about playing probabilities. He's not always presenting it like... I made this decision because this would shut it down. It's I had to do this because it's 65% this way, 35% that way. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's not unlike Shane Battier, the way that he would talk about it in that famous article by Michael Lewis in the New York Times about how he was the no stats all-star, except Shane Battier just couldn't force turnovers like Draymond <laughs> can. And I feel like Draymond's role in the league is a little bit, underrated. I mean, there's always been switching. That's that's always been a thing. And uh, it's one of those things that almost came back in fashion. So the story for people who don't know, uh, the Warriors, they've got their 2014-2015 team. Uh, they're about to figure out their strategy. Ron Adams, assistant coach at the time, who had been coaching literally since the 60s, and it might have been <laughs> early 60s, said, oh my God. he said, you know, I think we could be a good red team. And what that meant in his code, because there's different vernacular and lingo in the NBA, was switching team. And people are going, oh, you, you think so? I was like, yeah, I think we could pretty much switch everything. And so... It's funny that switching everything became seen as the Warriors were doing it with Draymond as the centerpiece in that with their army of six foot six to six foot seven guys, that versatility. It was seen as this newfangled thing, but it was really pushed by the oldest guy because he had been doing it when he coached back in Fresno in the 60s. Right. And so it was getting used uh, at the NBA level. And to great effect. And so I think the Warriors really revolutionized basketball. I think Steph Curry and Draymond revolutionized in their own ways. And in some ways, I think that Draymond's impact is more so than Steph's because Steph's impact, people talk it up, but I don't really see too many people able to do what Steph does um, and replicating it versus there are guys who are in that six foot seven, six foot six range. Uh, Bam, for instance, and a Draymond yep. at center role. I, I I think that that was a huge, huge aspect to how defense changed in the NBA, and it came from Draymond. And I know that when he might call himself the best defensive player, maybe ever, people get their backs up and they say, I mean, the stature of a guy like Hakeem Olajuwon, people are, are going to invoke that, and it's going to seem like an argument ender. I don't know where I come down on that. I didn't watch every era, but I Look, think for this era, he's the most important defensive player. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like the other day, I'm watching them play the Suns and the Warriors come out with Draymond guarding Chris Paul at the point of attack in order to preempt their pick and roll action. Where yeah. it's like, we ain't got no problem switching this action because, yes, Draymond Green can guard DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> like yeah. that's. That's just a, a, an insane weapon to have, right? Like to be able to deploy your de facto center slash best wing defender onto one of the greatest point guards, thinkers of the game ever. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, this is how we're going to guard this team defensively. I, You know, it, 
it's defense is so much harder to measure as far as the impact stuff than offense, right? So we're never going to get the concrete stats about, and not even just Draymond guard, what Draymond does individually, the way he's quarterbacking the defense in the back yeah. end, where he's the one barking out. All he'll the calls. physically move guys where they need to go. He'll he'll shut. He'll gently shove Steph in the direction he needs to go. It is like that. It is that linebacker cliche, but he is he is that guy in the defense. And if you're into defense, I think it's wonderful to watch. As a quick digression, though, I'm really into speaking of Chris Paul. If you have a kid, if you want them to learn how to play basketball, Chris Paul's got some great videos on YouTube. He does these summer basketball camps annually, and there are life lessons, there are speeches. And I was thinking about it because I was thinking about having watched Draymond rip Chris Paul on occasion and steal the ball um, and (laughs) juxtaposing that against Chris Paul teaching lessons on how to be completely confident dribbling and how no everybody knows not to take the ball from me or try to. I think Draymond is one of the few who's going to try it and sometimes be successful. (laughs) <laughs> Young Asher is going to learn how to dribble from Chris Paul. I love that idea, by the way. Um, <laughs> we've gotten in far enough into this podcast. Uh, we do got to talk about the Steph of it all because obviously mm. he has this incredibly special week. And, you know, because like because I'm close to people like you and Marcus and I remember when the Steph thing, like there was a time where he wasn't you know, the Pope or the Godfather yeah. or the whatever euphemism you want to use of the Warriors, right? Like, he was kind of just another sort of guy that they invested in. Remember when they gave him $40 million over four years? And people yeah. were like, you might have overpaid for this dude because his ankles mm-hmm. don't work. Um, yeah. And even Given after guy, all of that... Ty Lawson money. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, I don't know if we should be paying yeah. him as much as Ty Lawson, right? Yep. And, you know, even after the championship, there was this sense when... Steph's like $200 million contract was coming up where it's like Lacob kind of feels like Steph isn't solely responsible for everything that's ever happened positive for this team and all of that. I feel like we've crossed the Rubicon there. Steph is just a made guy over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are still people who at some level don't buy it or he just visually doesn't look like dominance, I suppose. But at this point, he's really waited it out and it's fun to have him back as a guy people are talking about at, at the top of the NBA. It's been a little bit of a, a, a time away, as we were saying. But, yeah, he's he's a made guy in a way that we don't have a lot of in sports. We don't have a lot mm-hmm. of guys who are going to spend all of their relevant career with a franchise. They're going to hop around in, in every sport, it seems. I mean, hell, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Brady's playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Maybe right. that will happen for Steph. Maybe he'll be playing for the Hornets in the future. I don't know. But yeah, I think in the Bay Area, he's just incredibly popular, uh, as high approval as you can have. And I think, I don't think he's been the same guy through the whole time. And I'm sure Marcus could expound on this. I think anybody who becomes incredibly famous develop some harder edges and they might start out wide eyed and they get a little bit more cynical and they get a little bit more bitter. And I do think Steph has a bit more of a sarcastic edge to (laughs) him than than meets the eye for the public. But I think he has maintained being a good guy and it's easy to scoff at that or think it's just myth making. Um, And we're all lying to the customer. But I do think Steph is a good guy and I do think that it's part 
of not just his appeal, but his success. Not not everybody can lead in the same way. Michael Jordan could be vicious and be a leader. It worked for the kind of guy he was. But as a point guard, as somebody who is sometimes the least physically imposing guy on the team, I think Steph does benefit from being this giver of joy um, and confidence. And so it's really it's really been cool to see. I've, I, like I said, I'm just enjoying it like a normie fan, drinking a few beers and watching the show. And it's nice, given all that's happened, for people in the Bay Area to just have something to be happy about. And isn't it great to not have to get yelled at by Draymond at a practice anymore <laughs> or have Kevin Durant say, you got a guy named Ethan Strauss giving his whole opinion. He don't even talk to me. All oh, of that. Isn't yeah. it great to just be rid of that part of the business? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's a whole other rigmarole. I think Draymond's only yelled at me maybe twice. You know, I credit- <laughs> Credit to him. I, I, <laughs> hey, I, I mean, not that anybody should care. I thought he handled some of the critical things I wrote uh, pretty well and in a cordial way and in a professional mm. way. And it's something that it's something that I appreciated. Um, KD, KD's off doing his own thing. I, I wish him the best as well. Right. It's, uh, yeah. I don't think that's what's funny is I don't think that they're bad guys. I just think it's it's the game to what you're saying. It's the circumstance, right? It's this idea of this guy's really mad at me, but I don't know if he hates me or not. It almost doesn't matter. He just hates what I'm doing. And what I'm doing is something maybe I have to do. Um, And so the conversations can sometimes shift after it's after it's all over. Uh, Harrison Barnes, for instance, didn't like to talk to me very much because of some of the things I wrote. But then afterwards, he comes through Chase Center and it's all smiles because it's just it was very circumstantial. It wasn't personal. It was just business. And uh, I think that's true of whatever I was doing, hopefully. And I think it's true of them yelling at me as well, no matter what's being said at the time. But to what you're asking, yes, I do enjoy getting a break from all of that. It can be pretty (laughs) intense. But to be clear, I mean, to be sure, I don't know what it's like now. I mean, that's one of the reasons I ducked out and I started running my own site. You might know better than I do. I don't know what it's like to cover an NBA game. Are you, do you show up in a hazmat suit? What is it? I haven't been to Staples this entire season because it was just like, during the playoffs anyway, it was like, no access, post games are on Zoom. Like the meat shit, the media room was even close. I'm like, I can't even get soft serve. Yeah. Like, what's the point of being at these games if I can't do like I literally can't do anything. You can't talk to anybody like that's, you know, that's 60, 70 percent of the point of being at an NBA game. As far as our jobs is to talk to people, talk to the relevant parties, whether it be management people, whether it be players, whether it be players, people, right? Like the people closest to the player, like all of that shit is completely cut off. But I think they've relaxed a lot of that at Staples anyway. Um, But I think the post game is still on a Zoom basis. Well, From what I've heard, you can mill about on the court like so, but you got to be wearing the mask. And I think... uh, at least attitudinally, I'm, I'm pro-vax, anti-mask. I, look, I don't know anything statistically about what the mask does. I know I just don't like I don't like wearing it. That's all I know. I just don't enjoy pro-vax, it. Pro-vax, anti-mask. Yeah. Wow, that's, I mean, that's the, that's as the far podcast as how, headline. As far as how I orient my life, I'm not telling anybody yeah. anything on what the statistics are. I'm not getting yeah, into course. all that. I'm just saying that I've chosen a lifestyle where I put on a mask less so, and that includes an avoidance of going down there 
there and trying to make conversation with yeah. agents and assistant coaches as I'm yeah. fogging up my glasses. I don't want it. I don't want any part yeah. of it. God bless the people <laughs> who can do it. If you can exude some charisma while wearing that, wearing I mean, mask, that's a trick yeah. I would like somebody to show me how to do it because I do not know how to do it. I, I feel, you know what I feel like? It's like when you got too high in high school or college and you're thinking, you know, did that joke I made? Did that, did they laugh at that? <laughs> did they think I was joking? Did that come through? They, wait, one are they the mad reasons, at me? One of the myriad of reasons why I never became a weed guy. Every time I got high, I just felt stupid. I felt like everything <laughs> that I was saying was stupid. And people were like, wow, what an idiot. Yeah. But Ethan, man, listen, um, I appreciate the time that you gave us today. I want people to understand that they need to go subscribe to the house of Strauss Substack, not because Ethan's my man, but because like Ethan's willing to say shit about our business, our industry, about just the culture of what we do in a way that's so much more honest than nine out of 10 of the shit that you're going to read anywhere in this, in this business. And I think the honesty, the candor mixed with eat the breath of Ethan's experience. Plus he's a fucking smart dude. You need to be checking that shit out. Uh, thank you again for coming on Ethan. Tell the people where to find you. How's the Strauss? Dot substack.com. Thanks. That was a very kind uh, plugging was. I can't do any better than that. But yes, come one, come all. Gift it for the holidays. It's the ultimate gift. You know, you can procrastinate. <laughs> it's a few clicks away. So there you go. Yes, sir. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Um, I'm Big Waz for Ethan Strauss. We're out of here. Peace. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.